Welcome to Messy Life Podcast. You know, life is messy, but it's in our mess that we find our message. And just because your life is messy, it doesn't mean you're messed up. We want to open up our lives. We want to open up our mess. We want to open up what we've learned through really painful, dark journeys. And our hope on the other end of this podcast, on the other end of Messy Life, is that you would find courage and strength and laughter and joy in the midst of your journey, that you would know that you are not in this alone and that you are stronger than you ever thought you were. So let's get messy. <laughs> like that. Well, first of all, we want to just say thank you for the amazing outpouring of love. Man, the amount of plays that have been a deluge. (laughs) I mean, all of the ratings and reviews that have poured in. Thank you so much. Thank you for making Messy Life a part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. We are just honestly like overwhelmed. Um, Overwhelmed at your love and your support. Thank you for listening to what we have to say. Thank you for rating. Thank you for reviewing. Thank you for sharing. We were just overwhelmed, um, and I hope, and our, our greatest prayer and purpose of doing this is that, man, it meets you where you're at, and you find a little bit of courage in your journey, maybe a lot of courage in your journey, and um, it's kind of cool, Joel, because probably the one podcast that we got the most listens and the most feedback was episode three of Braving the Wilderness. Yeah. Man, it just reminded me that there's a lot of us, all of us, going through a really difficult journey of braving the wilderness, and we don't know how to do it, and we're figuring it out as we go. So we thought what we could do is maybe do a part two to braving the wilderness and just unpack it a little bit more, share some truths of kind of our journey as we plunged into the wilderness. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of like finding our way as we're in it, like we certainly don't have all the answers, but we're just opening up our messy lives to you and telling you what where we're at, what we've done. And if you can find any truth or any courage on your journey, gosh, that's everything we want it to be. So Because this journey is a journey of authenticity, it's a journey back to ourselves. It's a journey to be more who we are. It's a journey to own our stories. It's a journey to become who we've always been, but we've twisted or maybe contorted or tried to shape ourselves into something sure. that we're not. Yeah. So we know that authenticity breeds authenticity. And so wherever you're at, man, your authenticity towards us, I read it in your comments, your ratings and review. When we were going through the shame storm, when we first released those <laughs> those podcasts of just that vulnerability hangover. I told Joel, I know, I came home and I was like, oh my God, I have a vulnerability hangover. And it was it was real. <laughs> I felt like I was like depressed for two days. Like I was just terrified because you put yourself out there in a really raw way. It's it's terrifying. And here's here's what's the text that we're going back and forth. Hey, could you send me that one text that you received <laughs> from that one person it's so, so that I know that I'm what I'm, we're doing is right yeah. and okay? Yeah. Or we'd flip through and we would look at the ratings <laughs> and review and people were just sharing 
just authentically how it had impacted yeah, them. Yeah, calling us, texting us, emailing us. Just yeah, I wanted to drown myself in chocolate, and your text and your reviews and your comments like really kept me from eating like one bar instead of forty. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you all for uh, saving us from our caloric <laughs> overindulgence. Yeah, it's the easy button, right? I was like trying to find it in whatever easy, way I could. Easy, easy. <laughs> okay, well, let's dive in, right? Yeah, let's um, brave the wilderness. Let's brave the wilderness. So I literally was thinking to myself as we were journeying through this braving the wilderness. Um, I, I've spent 20 years in ministry. And for me, like my braving the wilderness has been church. For you, it may be something very different. You know, for some of you, maybe it's a friendship shift. Maybe it's a messy divorce. Maybe it is a church transition. Maybe it is a, a transition at your job or your school. Whatever you're braving the wilderness looks like, it's all different. But I was thinking to myself at the end of what I went through, I look back and like I was telling Joel... I felt this overwhelming sense of shame that I didn't fight for myself sooner. Hmm. Like, why? Like, how? I felt stupid. Yeah. I felt yeah. weak. I felt, I, I did. I felt weak. I felt embarrassed that I would ever let someone treat me that way or let that happen to myself. And I would ask myself the question, like, why? How did I get myself into this? You know? And, um, and I'm going to refer back to Brene Brown because she's my hero. And like her book has literally been like a guide, a, a compass. guide, yeah. a compass for me to as, reorientate yourself when you're going through like the sheesh storm, that's you know, a perfect way to describe it. Her book, Braving the Wilderness and really Brene, she has been my guide through this. And so it's really interesting. Um, can In I just her, pause one moment? Yeah. And and as you begin to share your stories, like Brene, you begin to share your stories, you are going to be a light and a compass for so many people who are in your life and who mm -hmm. are going through something so similar, but they think that they're the only ones who totally. are going through it. And I think sometimes too, Joel, like it's important to identify the why that you feel your shame because I think it unlocks, um, it sets that free a little bit. It mm -hmm. sets you free a little bit. And I think this was the why for me. So I was reading in Brene's book, Braving the Wilderness, it's chapter two, where she talks about belonging. Um, and she says, when she's describing belonging, she says, we all want to be a part of something. And I think for me, I wanted to be a part of something greater than myself. Like mm -hmm. I've always wanted to, to help people. I want to, I want to make a difference. You know, I want to help people. I want to mm -hmm. change lives. You know, I want to be a part of something. And she says about, she says belonging. I love this. I'm going to read it straight from her book. She says, belonging is the innate human desire to be a part of something larger than us. Mm -hmm. Then she says, this is so powerful. Like really let this sink in. She says, because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for true belonging, but often barriers to it. Wow. Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic and imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. 
so and powerful. I think that I so powerful. I got the true belonging thing down. Like I really wanted to be a part of something bigger than me. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to belong. Like, listen, when you find yourself in community, it's really an amazing experience. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe it's the way God designed us. But here's what we, here's what we need to know. Mm-hmm. We need belonging to be real, not conditional or fake or constantly up for negotiation. Yeah. And I think that's where the disconnect for me happened because my need for belonging was so primal and so deep that I often felt like I had to compromise my authenticity and my integrity because the belonging was conditional. So you belong as long as you believe the way that I believe, as long as you act the way that I think you should act, as long as you do what I think you should do. You can belong. But the minute that you choose to disagree, and you can always do that in a respectful Mm. manner, but the minute that you choose to disagree, belonging becomes conditional. It becomes up for negotiation. And I think for me and my journey, I begin to feel the friction of that a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's super cool. So we literally were just having a conversation two nights ago where we were having some hard conversations, like with somebody that we respect deeply. And I love it because they literally said, I don't have all the answers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And it was so cool because, and we're going to talk about this a little bit further in our podcast of like how we've navigated this wilderness journey. But I felt such a sense of freedom that number one, I could ask you really hard questions. And number two, we could agree to disagree. And number three, you didn't have all the answers and neither did I. And that's kind of the beauty of community. Yeah. I didn't feel like my acceptance or my belonging was conditional upon me agreeing with what you said. Yeah. And I think when I came to that point of braving the wilderness, there was a friction that started in me where I didn't, I didn't feel like I could speak up all the time. I, I didn't feel, I felt like I had to compromise my integrity a little bit. And I know I talked about that already, but it was like, True belonging only happens when we present our authentic selves, right? Our imperfect, authentic selves to the world. And I was, I was compromising that. Like I was cashing that in. I was saying, I don't want to ruffle feathers because I know I'm going to pay. I know the minute I disagree, the minute I stand up for something, I won't belong anymore. And, and here's the thing that's so tricky about this because it is so... Um the underpinnings of our life. It's so primal. It's so just in us to be in uh, true belonging that we settle for a counterfeit of something that looks like that because you can never have that unless you are truly authentic. So if you have to give up your authenticity, if you have to give up your real then what you have is a counterfeit and there's always going to be that rub. There's always going to be that little thing that's like, I have community, but what we're really seeking and to have true belonging is you have to belong to yourself first. Totally, always. You have to belong 100% to yourself. You have to be okay with who you are. You have to be vulnerable. And be okay with your boundaries. Yes. You have to be okay with your boundaries. But until you find that group... Yeah. That can accept you for saying, hey, 
I maybe am not there in my awareness. I maybe I don't see that that way, but you belong until you find that crew. You are in a place called the wilderness. Yeah. So can I tell you something super cool in the midst of this? I didn't see it then, but I see it now. So I didn't see it when I was in the midst of like this total crisis going on in my own mind, but I see it now. Like back when, before you launched out into the wilderness, is that what you were talking about? Before I like totally stood up for myself and packed up my office and walked out. I didn't see it then when like I was in the heat of it. So Brene says this, she says, we want to be a part of something to experience real connection with others, but not at the cost of our authenticity, freedom, or power. And I didn't see it at the time that I was, man, I just, I loved my community. But I was, it was at the cost of my authenticity, freedom, and power. Hmm. And I didn't see that at the time. So here's the crazy thing that I can unpack. What I feared the most was losing the people who didn't accept me for who I really was, mm, yeah, who yeah. did not accept my authenticity, my power, my freedom. So I was hustling, Joel. I was compromising who I was for people who could not accept my true authentic self. Because if I stood up and said, that social media post was wrong, you take it down and you apologize or I walk out of this room, they couldn't accept that, Casey. Yeah. Yeah, and here's what I want to ask. Here's what I want to ask is why do we spend so much of our life hustling for for people's acceptance that we don't even want to be like? Yeah. Like, I don't even want to be like you. But here I am working to try to fit an expectation that you have on me. But I don't even want to ultimately be like you. So I think, too, when you, when you take the lid off of that, that there's a little part of you that's like, you don't feel like you can be your true self or your authentic self. And you're, you're pushing that down for the community of people that accept you as long as you're fake. So here's the cool thing. I brave the wilderness, right? Like I totally stand up for myself. I walk out and I lose 75% of my community. But you know what's really cool? So I've got about 25% of my posse left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wouldn't trade them for the world. And if people's love of me is conditional, they're not people that I want in my life anyway. Sure, it hurts. You got to grieve that loss. You've got to feel that pain. It hurts. Like you love these people, you invested in them. But anybody who's not willing to pick up the phone and have a conversation with me are not people that I want in my life anymore. I'm I'm just I'm just done with hustling for that approval. Anybody who can't agree to disagree and love one another through it, they're just not really they're they're just not people I want to brave the wilderness with. And so, well, it's impossible because they're not in the wilderness. It's true. They stand on the edge and they wave you farewell. And you've got to be brave and bold enough to look at them and wave them farewell and go about your journey. Because on the other side of that, when you face that, you belong to yourself. And that's a power and an authenticity that no one can take away from you. And Jesus is cheering you on every step of the way. Listen, can I tell you, Joel? He's not afraid of the hard questions. 
He's not yeah, afraid no, of he's you not. being authentic to who you are. Jesus is not afraid of that. Honestly, I think Jesus was the king of the wilderness. Oh. <laughs> I think he braved the wilderness. Oh. He yes. sets like... Okay, first thing, first thing, the, the boy gets baptized by his cousin John, right? The dove comes down, boom, wilderness. Exactly. Like, like you start out everything with wilderness. Yeah, you do. 40 days, yeah. wilderness, and then he had what he, the words that he spoke to the world were still sitting around talking about those totally. words. Can I tell you something super cool, Joel, too? I mean, I've been a Christian for a really long time, and I've done Mm -hmm. a lot of really cool things. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of really stupid things, too. (laughs) Um, Remember when I, like, burned my brother's CDs? But, like, that's a podcast for another day. I did stupid things in the name of the Lord that where Jesus was like, Casey, I'm embarrassed of you right now. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I appreciate your fervor. Right. Your ardent, you know, zeal. But um, you... (laughs) Just, um, that was vandalism. I stole my brother's CDs and burned them in the fire because... potentially uh, grand theft. I did. Um, (laughs) That would be like, Jesus was like, Casey, when I wrote the scripture, zeal without knowledge, I did it for you. You know, like, I think Jesus was really like, oh man, Case, what were you thinking? I know. But anyway, can I say this? That day that I braved the wilderness and I took the plunge, I don't think Jesus has ever been more proud of me in all my life. No, I think you were in the company. Of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So um, really quick, I want to touch on when you brave the wilderness, you'll find some really cool people out there. And it's kind of cool, Joel, like we were super blessed to have um, a posse of friends and they were my lifeline. Mm-hmm. Um, one came with me. She She's such a like... A badass, if I can say no, that. True. Sorry for those who saying that word offends, but um, my friends were like with me. There was a small group of them, and they were with me every step of the way. And like they, we braved the wilderness together, and it all looked very different for each one of us. Mm-hmm. It all, it looked different, but man, we just cheered one another on in our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is lonesome and it is dark and it is really hard, but we had just a few core group of people that we braved it with. And, um, man, I just have the utmost love and respect for those people and they're authentic and they're true to who you are and they have your back every step of the way, but they're not afraid to challenge you. They're not afraid to call you on your crap and like tell you the truth, but even love you in the midst of it. Um, They were with us every step of the way and are still with us to this day. Like that I think was everything, you know, in braving the wilderness. When you really take that plunge, Mm -hmm. you'll attract who you are. And it's so funny to feel like I gave up 75% of my community, but I felt like I gained the whole world. Because the friends that I did have in my life were ride or die, true, authentic friends. And that's real. And they could say to me, I disagree with you, girl, but I love you. And we are ride or die. Like, it it wasn't conditional. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, these people that we had in our lives that we braved the wilderness with, mm-hmm. it was not conditional. Mm-hmm. They 100% accepted us and we accepted them 
for exactly who each one of us were. They believed in us. We believed in them. Like it was not conditional. You know what I mean? No, true. Remember um, that one friend, uh, there was a a particular social media post that went out kind of right at that transition, a little (laughs) passive aggressive. (laughs) And that friend was like, that friend called you out and said, Casey, what are you doing with this social media post? Oh, it wasn't wise. I don't think that was a friend. I think that was my counselor. Well, I was trying to save Sharon. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying to say, I was trying to, you know, keep no, her no, no, out no, of no. it. Let me tell you what my real friends did. They were like, yes, queen. Yes, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Preach that girl. Like they had my back. I like, know. And they, they were like, re- <laughs> it was a repost. Uh, I mean, you guys blew up uh, Instagram's no, algorithm. We I mean, were, no, no, no. They had my back. Sharon was like, you are better than that, Kate. Sharon is like, um, what is she, Joel? She's like... She's like the white Oprah. That's who she is. And she will call... <laughs> she will be true and she will mother you. She but will she counsel like, mother you. She will. She like comes in as this like holier figure that calls you to higher levels. She's like a Deepak Chopra, like a... She's like a Mother Teresa. A guru. Um. Yeah, yeah. Like some <laughs> some kind of calming force that's, that speaks so to, you, to your higher authentic she self did. that says... You're better than this. She did. She called me out. And um, and this is what I did. Can I tell you something so embarrassing? Yeah. I sobbed. And I was like, Sharon, I just feel like I disappointed you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, she called me out and was yeah. really hard on me. And I was sobbing through the whole conversation. And then we had to get off the phone because she had, like, a job and other clients like, and then she called me back later that night to check on me to make sure I was okay. And that's when I was like, Sharon, I just feel like I disappointed you. Like I was totally passive aggressive on my social media. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, sometimes it's messy and sometimes you don't always do the right thing and you like air your dirty laundry for the world to see, which is so embarrassing. And it's exactly what we're doing on this podcast. But but uh, I did. I, I took a shot. That's what I did. I was literally taking 850,000 shots at me, and I just fired back. Just one. Just one. And my friends were like, yes, queen. Yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> it was so true. It was so fun in the moment. We were like, mm-hmm. And then Sharon was like, Casey, you are better than that. And I'm like, I know I am Sharon. <laughs> I had a weak moment and I feel like I disappointed you. <laughs> this group, mind you, uh, it's called the Babes. Stop. And their Don't ac- call us out. Their, their acronym is BAB. I'll just let you interpret whatever that meaning potentially could mean. It, it depends on the day. Yeah. Well, They're I, my ride or dies. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a worthy <laughs> acronym. I love them so much. It's true. Okay, yeah. So find you a posse. Listen, when you brave the wilderness, when you go out there, you'll find people who are braving it with you. And I want to encourage you in this too. Um, In addition to our friends that, ah, they're just awesome and I love them so much. I I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. Yeah. Um, I... There's a lot of people you can't meet, but you can listen to their podcasts and you can read their books. Um... Also, one really cool thing, I don't even know if you know this yet, but we Messy Life Podcast 
is on Facebook under Messy Life Podcast, Instagram. And those are communities and places. If you want to talk to people, if you want to interact with people, they are up there and you can begin to talk to some folks who are out in the wilderness who will guide you. And so that may be more Or like not even guide you, but like just do life with you. Like, yo, today sucked. Yeah, today I had a great day. Today I had an awful day. So also on my inspirational board, I have all the people... And I did this like when I was in the midst of my shame storm, like, God, I put my life before the world and I had major regret. Um, I put them up. I put the people that inspire me the most to be bold and courageous. I printed out their pictures and I put it up on my board in my office so that I could look at their faces and just remember Maya Angelou, you led the way. Gandhi, you led the way. Mother Teresa, you led the way. Oprah Winfrey, Brene Brown, like... My boy, John Eldridge. John Eldridge, Jesus, Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr., like, these people led the way, and it's, it's just beautiful to look at, and remember, as you're braving the wilderness, all these people brave the wilderness, and they're, they're cheering you on. Yeah, and And Jesus is cheering you on. No, he is. That man had to walk this road between... His truth that he was bringing. Yep. And community leaders, and that day was the synagogues in in this Jewish community. He had to walk the line with sheer cunning and intelligence between these community leaders that were held in a system and walking with the people in the wilderness who would come out to follow him. Yeah. So he had to walk this yeah, road he did. and oftentimes his authenticity, he would bring out his enemies, the ones who were trying to trip him up in front of everyone. He would draw them out and they would shame themselves. Yeah. He was so good. The, their answers or their, the way they would approach things constantly over and over again. My greatest inspiration for real is Jesus. Yeah. And if you are finding yourself out there speaking the words that are in your heart, the words that are true, the words that are like, there's something wrong with this organization, this community I'm a part of, and there's got to be something better. When you find yourself there, what you're doing is maybe you're not trying to blow it up as many people would see it. The synagogue <laughs> leaders thought like Jesus is coming and, you know, and the, the temple leaders are like, man, they're going to blow this whole thing up. The Roman empire is going to come and they're going to kill us all. But what Jesus was trying to do is he loved those communities so much. He wasn't afraid to speak and say, we can do better, we can be more authentic, we can be more real than who we are, and there's something better, and they wanted to kill him for that. So I love that you say that, because um, back to my girl Brene, like, I love her. Okay, so in her book, Braving the Wilderness, she says this, and I think this is huge. She says, when you when you love something, when you When you love a place like we love the church, Brene doesn't say the church. She's using a different example. But I think for us, it was the church. I think for you, it can be something different. Like maybe it's your organization. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your friendship. Whatever that is. Okay, so you fill in the blank, right? When you love a place like we love, fill in the blank, you fight to make it better. 
to own our problems and fix them. You don't pretend that everything is okay. And I love this, okay? Mm-hmm. Listen in. It's good. You don't pretend that everything is okay. That's not loyalty or love. That is fear. And Boom. I'm going to lean in Boom. for that. I'm going to lean into that for just a second. You fight to make it better, to own your problems and fix them. You don't pretend that everything is okay. That is not loyalty or love. That is fear. Yeah. So when you love an organization like the church, like your job, like your community, like your school, like whatever it is, and you see something that goes against the value system that is structured, you fight to make it better, to own your problems. We shouldn't, listen, can I tell you, I'm sorry is one of the most powerful words you will ever hear. And when you make a mistake, we all will make a mistake. We all are ignorant We in certain areas, right? Yep. You own your mistake and you say, I'm sorry, and you fight to make it better. But I think it's so important as you brave the wilderness, as you brave this thing, to identify fear. That's not loyalty and that's not love, that's fear. But then she goes on to say this, and I think it's really powerful what you're saying, Joel. She says, when the culture of any organization mandates mandates that it is more important to protect the reputation oh of gosh. a system oh and those gosh. in power than it is to protect the basic human dignity of the individuals who serve that system yeah. or who served that system, you can be certain that shame is systemic Money is driving ethics, and accountability is all but dead. That is true oh in corporations, gosh. nonprofits, so universities, government, faith, good. communities, schools, families, so and sports good. programs. If you think back to any major scandal fueled by cover-ups, you'll see the same pattern. And the restitution and resolution of cover-ups almost always happens where? In the wilderness. When one person steps outside their bunker and speaks their truth. Was that not Jesus? That was Jesus. So let me say that again. And and can I just say, the world is a different place. The world is a different place because one man stepped into the wilderness. When the culture of any organization mandates that it's more important to protect the reputation of a system and those in power than it is to protect the basic human dignity of the individuals who serve that system Mm -hmm. or who are served by that system. You can be certain. You can bet your money. You can take it to the bank. Mm -hmm. You can buy stocks and bonds (laughs) on that mug. Get it, queen. (laughs) That shame is systemic. Money is, driv- is driving the ethics and accountability is all but dead. But then it says this, the restitution and resolution of cover-ups almost always happen in the wilderness when one person steps outside the bunker and speaks their truth. It's amazing. So who needs to step outside of their bunker you're listening to this. 
you're on the edge. You see the truth. Will you stay hidden? Or will you show up and own your story? And brave the wilderness. And can I tell you, there's a lot of people who will watch you brave it and who will follow. Those who are brave and those who believe in what you're doing will follow. They'll brave it too. Because for for you and I, and, and again, for us, it's been the church, right? It's been Christianity. It's been, I love it. Oh my gosh, I've given my whole life for it. You know, it's funny. Like I look, I'm 36 years old and I'm like, Sometimes I'm like, gosh, I could, I have a design degree and I, I'm like, gosh, I could have this incredible design career, be a successful real estate agent or be a home flipper or be a rock star counselor. I, I, I gave everything for the church. It's his bride. Like I believe in it. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the church, but man, he braved the wilderness. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to fight to keep it pure and keep it beautiful and keep it what it was really always about, right? Mm-hmm. Keep and it authentic. that is loving the church, being loyal to the church. Anything else is fear. So let's talk about what that looks like in a healthy manner, right? Okay, so you brave the wilderness, right? And now you got to move on. Um, maybe you go to another job. Maybe you just went through a really painful divorce and you're entering into a new relationship. Maybe you went through a toxic church breakup and you are trying to find a new church home in a new church community. What does that look like? And we'll be talking about that in our next episode of Messy Life. Hey, Messy Life podcast listeners. We have got some fun stuff for you guys. Yeah, we have just produced a shirt, so we got some gear. We'd love to get it into your hands. If you use the code LIFE2, that's L-I-F-E, the number two, what we'd love for you to do is to give you five bucks off, and we want to give you our book for free. Yeah, The Divine Matchmaker. It has Casey and my story of how we fell in love. Yeah, absolutely. So if you need a t-shirt and a free book, you can head over to joeljohnson.org. Maybe we can even sign that. Why don't we make it an autograph? Sure, let's do it. (laughs) So if you want a Messy Life t-shirt and a free book, please head over to joeljohnson.org slash podcast, where you'll find a link for this in today's episode's show notes. Thanks for tuning in. We love you guys. Bye.